0: knows how to play poker, poker, poker. but poker. do you know how to play poker well? Well, Get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games, hear interviews with the stars, get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez.
1: And welcome once again, everyone, to another edition of the show. Big Dave and Joe, uh, ready to talk poker, and uh, we have another guest from PokerNews.com tonight. How about that? That would
0: be real nice. Donnie was great <laughs> last
1: week. Donnie Don, Donnie Peters, uh, the editor of Poker News, joining us last week. It was on for nearly an hour as we... Uh, as we chatted all about the South Florida events, he was down here for most of the stuff at the Seminole yeah. Hard Rock. He, he
0: did the usual Dave Lemon 15-minute interview. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is three times that, as usual. Uh,
1: tonight we have uh, Mo Nuara on, and uh, Mo is a writer for Poker News and is currently in the middle of a great 10-part series called How to Attack the WSOP. And, uh, of course, we're just a couple of weeks now from everything getting underway out there at the Rio in Las Vegas and it is a must read for for anybody planning to travel this summer.
0: Let me tell you Dave I just read part 1 and it's very interesting on uh, on tournament selection and why the 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 nuances of why you want to choose this one over that one depending on your style and what you're looking for.
1: Yeah, it's all great and it's uh I know how much work it takes to put together a series and to decide what you want to cover, when you want to cover it, uh where it fits into the whole package. And Not to mention uh, the number of strategy articles that he had to read uh, to come up with some of the quotes for, uh, I think it's part five or six, part five, I believe. Uh, but uh, nine parts have been uh, published, and we'll talk a little bit about, with Mo about it, uh, what it is to put it together. And, uh, and I know how difficult it is to have all your thoughts and, and really be limited in the space that you have. So it's easier, I always say, it's easier to write long than it is to write short. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because you don't which, know what, which, you which, don't know what to leave out when you're writing exactly. short, and there's ex- so ex- much information. Exactly, out there. and you you almost fall in love with some of your prose. <laughs> uh, you know, so you, it's hard to cut out things that you really like. And um, you know, fortunately for Mo, he has Donnie to uh, edit his stuff. I'm sure, and uh, you know, I'm, listen, shape I'm, it up in a nice way.
0: I'm sure you could probably write a very uh, deep stack book on on uh, how to plan to attack the WSOP. You know, with so much
1: information as you said out there but uh the other interesting thing is that mo also writes for a site called fantasy wired and uh it is uh basically a dfs site and uh fantasy sports uh news strategy tips that sort of thing and he writes a regular baseball column there and i you know it's we kind of have avoided this somewhat on the show because you know it's really a whole completely different thing but uh, DFS and poker have so many things in common. I, you know, I, really I'm going to write a story about that someday. The, the the relationships that the two have, and how people approach it, and and from everything to how people abuse it. And uh, you know, I see some of the same things that have uh, damaged uh, online poker. Uh, people's greed uh, entering, uh, you know, so many events, uh, numerous times, and just out moneying the average person. And I see the same thing in DFS with guys entering uh, contests, you know, hundred, hundred fifty times.
0: Yeah, which, I know, which and stinks. It really does in the same tournament because you know, but once again, they they do so much research that they are really stacking the deck right. against the average player. You
1: know, if you get a, you're behind a guy who has a hundred entries, and he has this, some people enter the same team a hundred times. So if they're ahead of you, that just bumps you so far down the standings that you're pretty much out of the money. But the good thing is, if you beat that person, you're way up the standings yeah, exactly. too. So basically, it's on your own to uh, to perform well. But we'll okay, we'll touch on uh, DFS a little bit tonight. But uh, mostly, I just want to talk about the series, and that is how to attack the WSOP, which you can find on Poker News. Uh, currently uh part 9 is is uh, being posted and later in the week he told me he was going to finish things up with part 10 and we'll talk about some of the different things with him as well a couple other things i want to talk about a uh, very interesting story uh on dfs uh, that i'll just throw in there and that is uh, the congressional uh or the house subcommittee on commerce manufacturing and trade holding a hearing today on dfs And we've seen um, Colorado uh, come out with some uh, rules regarding uh, DFS. We saw New York uh, kind of put things off until they have a decision in their legislature later in the year. So everything's coming to a head, so I guess we'll find out if we're going to actually have it or not. So. Uh, just kind of an interesting thing to take a look at there.
0: And do you believe that if this passes and we can get a a nationwide law for this, Dave, it'll help uh, with online poker down the line? Uh, I
1: think it will. I mean, uh, all the naysayers that say it's going to destroy our society and this and that, uh, you know, of course, there is a price to pay socially uh, and financially for some people, but uh, you know, again, this is what America's all about, is making your own decisions, and I think as as we see that uh, a lot of the People who anticipated the worst are proven wrong. I think we'll we'll start to see some of the other things in other aspects of gambling.
0: Yep, exactly. All the the doom the doom uh, <laughs> slayers out there that think that the world's going to fall apart if this happens.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, GPL moves on. They're through five weeks, so maybe we'll get to some of that a little later in the show. Uh, any uh, things we have to do with? Uh, uh tournaments and that sort of thing we will be covering as well but uh pretty much we're honing in on the uh on the uh WSOP and everything that's going to be going on there so uh looking forward to that and uh, and certainly we'll uh see what's going to happen there uh, I did want to uh mention a uh and I'll have to look this up in the break because coming up is a uh you know every year the WSOP has a uh conference call with the media and this year they're going to do it on Twitch and open it to the public so it's basically you know about an hour of uh answering questions and and letting people get all the latest on what's going on in the in the world of uh poker so um it's a great uh, it's great to include people I, I know there's going to be a downside to that you know i've seen some of these chat boxes on uh on different tournaments, and some of the things that people say and ask are, are just absolutely ridiculous and, and show uh, no knowledge of what's going on. But <laughs> they'll have to wait through, through some of that, and we'll see what's happening with that.
0: Sounds like when they do that with the media at the Super Bowl with those some of those questions that they have, these players.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> anyway, I want to get to Mo. We're going to hook him on the line here during our first break. Uh, certainly, uh, uh, we'll have some fun with him tonight and uh, talk... Uh, WSOP and how to look forward to it. He, it's a very far-reaching article on many different aspects, including games you should play, uh, some of the strategies of of how you uh, decide when to go out there, uh, what a great uh, spot in the schedule it is for your choices that you want to make. Uh, you know, some people go out there for the whole seven weeks, but uh, they say that the average stay for the people who play in the world series of poker is just three and a half days
0: yeah and he says there's a, that makes a big uh importance in in your game selection your tournament selection because some of these tournaments will run no less than four or five days with the way they're scheduled and you know Travel accommodations and everything else right. are, are considerations that you have to take into account. No,
1: absolutely. And we uh, we've had Alan Kessler, the Chainsaw, talk about uh, travel tips to the WSOP and other tournaments, and and really had some helpful stuff there. He has a similar type article, not really on travel, but on uh, how to prepare yourself for different things, things you should bring to the poker room, things you should. Uh, prepare prepare for in the hotel and things like that. So uh, that's one of it. Uh, Limit versus no limit strategy is one of the articles. Uh, Tips from the pros. Uh, The Colossus is going to be very big this year, as Donnie mentioned last week. He thought 30,000 players.
0: 30,000, which is incredible. And
1: that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Also, uh, you know... Not to just focus on the bracelet events. You know, there's certain other things. Obviously, the cash games are huge out there. He has a whole article about different things that are going on around town, other tournaments you can play. And I think a lot of these other poker rooms have uh, realized that they they can't compete on the same level, so they give people alternatives. And some of that is mixed games, tournaments, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, different levels of play that people can uh, enjoy some different things. There's also the WPT-500, which is at the ARIA during the the series, Uh, Planet Hollywood, and several others. So we'll get to some of that uh, with Mo when we come back. Uh, But I do want to tell you about Gulfstream Park. Before we head to break, I was out at the uh, Kentucky Derby uh, simulcast this week. So you were there Saturday? I was there Saturday. And I was there Sunday. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's right, that's right. How'd you from been there time? for Mother's Day?
0: Yeah, we had a great time. Did you play cards? Uh, no, because I was with the family and yeah. with the mothers, so we were kind of, they wanted to go out there. ship them off to the village? No, no,
1: no, they they
0: didn't want us going anywhere, but it was funny because my nieces and nephews who have recently turned 21 and stuff were enjoying Actually betting on the horses and and just you know enjoying enjoying everything that Gulfstream has to offer. Yeah, to absolutely.
1: Uh, the socializing with uh, with people is a great thing. You go with family, you can just have a great family time. Uh, besides the uh, poker, they have the casino, they have the racing. Uh, great restaurants, not just inside the track, but also throughout the village of Gulfstream Park. Uh, all different kinds of entertainment and music in the in the courtyard. I don't know if you saw any of that. There's clubs. There's the bowling alley, Strike 10. Uh, the whole place is just fantastic. You can have a great time, no matter what kind of thing you're looking for, really. Uh, it's located at 901 South Federal Highway. Gulfstream Park is uh, one of the jewels of South Florida in Hallandale Beach. Uh, the phone number for the poker room, if you have any questions about the tournament. And by the way, I did play in, uh, uh, the $50 event on Saturday with $10 rebuys. And one of the great things was that they had, uh, the high hand for the room was included in the tournament.
0: Excellent. Yeah. They include that in the fee. For, for your Yeah, agency, there's a there's an
1: extra $10 which goes to uh I guess it either goes to the prize pool or it goes to It
0: goes to the jackpot rake. Right?
1: Well, there's a, there's a couple different things that I read about and also you it, it could be for the dealer fee, but uh uh I guess they do put a little bit extra in for that and the rake and all that. Uh I, I didn't have my success. In you the didn't tournament. have no success? I did okay. How about in your high
0: hand uh, quest? No. There
1: there? Well, actually, one guy goes, uh, you know, there was three kings on the board, and you only need to use one card in your hand. Right. So I won the hand, and the guy said, if you got the king, turn it over. You'll get a high hand. And actually, the high hand for that period, there was less than five minutes left, and there was all, the high hand was four kings and a seven. And I had a king seven. No, I didn't have king seven. I had. I, if I would have had king seven, I didn't have the king. I had, right. I had two sevens. Is what I had. Oh, so you had kings full of sevens. Yeah. So I won the hand, and and the guy made a good fold, and I would have won the hand anyway. But uh, I'm I'm thinking if I had the same hand as what is already posted, you I don't win. The, oh, it would split. split okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you had, if if it was four kings and the next highest
0: card was a seven, <laughs> you guys would have both tied.
1: Anyway, I didn't have it, and uh, I got knocked out of the tournament, and uh, I. Did not do well on the Derby, although uh, I had the winner and the second-place horse, but I had them in first and third with uh, a horse called Moore Spirit, which uh, I think is still running. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, didn't do well in the Derby. Did hit uh, a small uh, exacta in the race, two races before, so... uh, that came out about even. McQuist so.
0: looked very strong in that derby, too, didn't he?
1: Yeah, he really did. It was a great effort. And, actually, the uh, horse finishing second uh, um, exaggerator uh, was really coming hard. And if he would have had another 30 yards, might have him. Might, have, might a have caught him, Yeah. Yeah. Well.
0: Which, which would bear very nicely in the Belmont Stakes if uh, Nyquist happens to take down the second leg of the derby at Preakness. So right. with that being a mile and a half run.
1: But the place was packed. All the ladies with their hats. It was just a wonderful day out there. Uh, and it's a wonderful day every day at Gulfstream Park. Once again, 901 South Federal Highway. It's located in Hallandale Beach. Welcome to your playground.
0: This is Poker Action Line.
1: and the play-for-real game becomes available later this year.
2: WFO Radio NHRA Nitro is all about the
0: NHRA Full Throttle Drag Racing Series. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the first edition of NHRA Nitro. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt. race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events. NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at
1: WFORadio.com. Welcome back to the program. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez here on Poker Action Line, another edition. And uh, for the second consecutive week, we have uh, one of the writers from uh, Poker News. And uh, it's pretty apropos, really, as far as I'm concerned, because uh, it is a place where people uh, can get every aspect of poker, uh, strategy articles, uh, the latest news, what's going on. And not just poker, but all kinds of different things that are similar and related. So uh, it's really a reliable source for uh, information. And as I mentioned before the break, uh, Mo Noir joins us uh, tonight on the show Uh, Mo, thanks for taking the time. I guess you're out in Nebraska where you uh, went to college and everything. Uh, How often do you get to Vegas?
2: Yeah, Omaha, Nebraska, born and raised. Um, (laughs) I I get to Vegas usually just for the series, I think, every year. Uh, Yeah, I haven't taken a trip there uh, since before I got this job, honestly, as far as just, like, going just for pleasure.
1: So you do all your writing, and uh, obviously it's a very small world these days with the Internet and uh, social media and that sort of thing, so uh, not totally necessary to be there much of the time. But uh, congratulations, uh, you're moving up in the business. I noticed that the last couple of months you've written over 30 stories both months, and uh, so obviously you have the trust of Donnie Peters.
2: Yeah, Donnie, uh, he likes me, <laughs> Um and uh, I've been definitely carrying a heavier load the last few months, uh, ever since Chad Holloway, our old uh, news editor, moved on to a different position.
1: Right. Chad's been on the show with us before, uh, you know, one of the one of the great guys in the business as well. Uh, I don't know. If, I guess he's uh, going to have some more cartoon books coming up uh, pretty soon. We'll have to wait and see this summer. But uh, Donnie was on the show with us last week. We had a great time and talked a lot, uh, kind of focused on South Florida. We talked a little bit about the series, but uh, I'm really enjoying your series in uh, Poker News, How to Attack the WSOP. And uh, let's get into that a little bit. Uh, Thanks for being on the show tonight to talk about it. But uh, it's got to be a tremendous job. Obviously, you do all sorts of news stories on every aspect of the business. But when you're putting together something uh, this extensive, how do you decide, um, you know, what's going to be in each part and, and uh, how much research you need to do? Uh, it's 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 tough to limit each series, but tell us a little bit about the planning ahead of time.
2: Yeah, um, I'll be honest. I, I really can't take too much credit for uh, planning out and, like, laying out this series. Uh, i got to give the credit to that. Uh, for that too, Donnie and then our other editor, Martin Harris, okay. who does a lot of the strategy section section and he's been writing um this new series with connecting poker and pop culture. So that's been really interesting for me to read. And they kind of sent me an email and laid out, you know, this is the series we want you to write, these are the sections of how we want each piece of the ten part series. To be with, basically just a couple sentences of guidelines, mm-hmm. and uh, it's kind of up to me after that how to how to write it and lay it out. But as far as the planning and the ideas for the series, that was uh, all up to them. So I got to give them credit for that.
1: Any conflict on something you wanted to do that they didn't quite agree with?
2: Um, honestly, the only thing that I can really think of was. When we were talking about well, when they sent me the email about some of the tournaments they wanted me to highlight right. for the the piece about different tournaments in Vegas outside of the Rio mm-hmm. was they wanted to throw in the section about the daily deep stacks, which I'm not really a fan of those things, even though the prize pools is prize pools are huge, just because the rake is like astronomical in those. But outside of that, I just uh, been rolling with pretty much what they wanted me to do, and they. Let me write them how I want. Uh,
1: how about the, uh, the move on social media? And I guess it's it's kind of like uh, don't pull on Superman's cape or don't spit in the wind. But uh, uh, the request by some players to try to put together a petition to take away the rake from the, the main event. Uh, any uh, thoughts on that personally?
2: Um, I did see that a while ago. And then they were saying back in the day... The tournament used to be rake-free, which is pretty awesome. Um, I mean, I think basically the idea behind that would be kind of that the promotion and the grandiose kind of nature of the main event pays for itself with all of the people it draws in. But, I mean, you you know, it's such a big tournament, and, you know, there's so many costs that go into that. I mean, I, I don't really have a problem with them taking a small amount of rake. I, I think the rake is on the smaller side for those bigger 10 Ks. So right. Okay. I don't think it's that big of a deal really, but I mean, if they were to do it, I think it would be awesome. Joe, you
0: got a point no, on that? No, you're talking about that. There was no rake. I remember many, many years ago, obviously way before the thousand fields, there used to be 10,000 plus, I think it was $200, uh, house fee back then, because I, I remember trying to plan for that <laughs> back when I was much younger and trying to dream of playing in the main event. Uh,
1: well, it's, it, it's just that's something that's not going to happen, so it's, it's nice that they uh, made a point of uh, putting together an actual petition, but uh, uh, I don't think it's going to fly. Uh, there's a big... Uh, Uh, conference call, well not exactly a conference call, it's always been a conference call with the media over the years Uh, Seth Polanski sending out the email this morning Uh, but this year they're going to do it on Twitch and it's going to be what they're calling a town hall Uh, any thoughts on that? I think I've seen some of the stuff that people write in the chat boxes and some of the ridiculous comments and questions and I wonder uh, how that's going to fly this week
2: yeah, I mean, I'm not really too sure about that, honestly, because I, I think Donnie's always been the one who's done the uh conference calls, Donnie and Chad, so I'm not sure if that's going to be me or not this year. And I don't really have any experience on those conference calls. But, uh yeah, I guess, I don't know, I'm kind of with you. Uh That just opening it up to the public doesn't seem like it would be the most constructive idea if you wanted to get, um, you know, information disseminated out there in a timely and constructive way.
1: Right, exactly. It's uh, it's actually going to be uh, next Thursday, a week from tomorrow, May 19th. Uh, and it's going to be uh, on Twitch and open to the public, uh, which is going to be kind of interesting because a lot of there's a lot of thoughtful poker players that really think out the issues and probably will have much to add. So uh, there are some good things. Uh, Ty Stewart, of course, will be answering questions along with Jack Effel and Bill Rennie, who is the head of online poker for the WSOP.com and uh, they'll be doing all this uh, starting at 4 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday, May 19th. Uh, since it's not a conference call, basically anyone can go, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, as as you talk about it with uh, your friends and colleagues, that you'll be there to pick up some information. It's always pretty informative, and uh, there are a lot of good questions, and you can find a lot about the tournament, so uh, uh, I'll definitely be online and checking out that live stream. Um, But let's get to the article. Um, I wanted to kind of run down the different uh, aspects and see if you had any thoughts. Uh, uh, As I mentioned before coming on, uh, before the first break, it's much easier to write long than it is to write short. So when you're limited on exactly what you can say, uh, there's always a few things you've got to leave out and uh, pick and choose what you're going to say. Let's start out with the uh, planning what to play, uh, which is part one. Uh, it, you cover it pretty, uh, extensively and you talk about, uh, great stretches for, for people, uh, to target when they're planning on when to go out. Uh, any thoughts on, uh, what you would have added maybe to that article?
2: Um, as far as that one, I think, you know, the thing is tying that back into the other article about other tournaments in Vegas, I mean, you almost kind of like can't lose as far as looking at different Different times to go to Vegas just because there's so much going on throughout the city and there's so many great tournaments at so many places. Um, I would say, you know, the end of the series is a really interesting, interesting spot because this year they added the, the, well, they moved the 1111 little one for one drop to the end with the main event. Right, right. So, I think that tournament has the potential to just be huge as far as, you know, people that come in, maybe bust out of the main event. I mean, what's another, you know, 1100 if you've already put in 10K in this other <laughs> tournament? So I think, uh, that has the potential to be huge and that could be a big draw for players who are on a smaller budget and maybe don't even, like, have the bankroll to play in the main event.
1: I think one of the interesting things I found was when you mentioned, uh, uh, that the average length of a person's trip uh, for the WSOP, even though there are many, many hundreds, thousands of players that, that spend uh, the entire seven weeks out there, but the average length of a trip for, for everyone is just 3.2 days, so you got to pick and choose when you're going to go.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, Donnie sent me that little nugget, and I think that is really interesting, and it makes it kind of tricky as far as planning out what you're going to play, because, I mean, three days, just isn't very long, and if you run deep in almost any tournament, like any big tournament, is going to be at least two days usually there, so that's two-thirds of your trip right there, so, I mean, I, I would suggest if you want to go play, maybe you can plan out more in the in the realm of, like, five days, but there's definitely some great daily tournaments that you can play, like I said the Highlighted the ones at the win, and um if you just want to straight up go for the biggest prize pools, like I was saying earlier, the daily deep stacks are just insane. I mean, 50k for first in those is yeah. uh, pretty routine. And then, I think my buddy was telling me the other day, we were talking about his plan, he's planning on coming out and staying with me again. And he said that he thinks, he remembers the colossus, during the colossus, one of the dailies got up to like 70 or 80k. Wow. First. Wow. Unbelievable.
1: Uh, Part two about the satellites was interesting as well. Uh, Obviously, uh, not only do people have to pick and choose when they're going to go out, uh, not everybody has a load of money to play all these events and is not going to be tremendously successful where they can finance the rest of their uh, series with one big score. So you do have to uh, pick and choose what satellites you want to play, and there's plenty of those.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, those are running all the time, and I think those are another really good option as far as, like, say you do bust out early in something, you know, obviously that's disappointing, but you're not out there to, you know, mope after you go bust or whatever, so your best option might be to just hop in a satellite and try to get into the next tournament for cheap, especially because they're running around the clock. I mean, if you go into the pavilion, you're just going to see in the yellow section, there's always lines they're calling out new single table satellites about to run and i mean i've never personally played one but everyone that plays them tells me that they are just a gold mine like just really 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 soft games over there in the in the satellite section and i think that's just a great option for anybody that
1: of course, the big difference is on a
2: shorter bankroll or busts out early.
1: Right. The big difference that you do mention is a lot of times, you know, maybe if there's like 10 seats and available in a satellite, uh, it doesn't really matter if you're the chip leader as long as you're near the top because you're going to get your seat and then the tournament's going to be over. So it doesn't really matter. It's not really a final table type situation.
2: Yeah, you got to play completely differently. I mean, I'm not like the most experienced satellite player, but I have played a few and it tends to get really weird later in the tournament where it's just basically big stacks are deciding when they want to gamble a little bit of their stack off to try to eliminate somebody. Right. And it's just uh, kind of a weird game. And then everyone else that's kind of in the middle just desperate. Is, is just waiting.
1: You know? <laughs> Exactly. You had one great little note in there uh, about the guy, Tommy Yates, last year that uh, uh, ended up qualifying starting online for a penny at one of those uh, qualifiers in uh, step tournaments and then ended up uh, qualifying for the main event and uh, finished in 486th place and won
2: $19,500. Yeah, you know, there was that guy, and then there was um, the guy that that Erasmo or whatever. Okay. The guy, I can't remember his name, the one who um, Remco and Donnie talked to and... Uh, He was like a huge fan of the podcast and he ended up getting like top 20 or top 30 in the main after he was like busto and all in for his last 200 in a satellite for like with seven deuce or whatever. (laughs) Tripled up ends up, you know, it's just these great stories are why poker, you know, should always be thriving. And I think it's really important to get these players' stories out there so it encourages people to uh take their shots and you know, as long as they're being responsible within their bankroll and whatnot. Um it's just uh it's just a great story and it shows that you can do stuff like that and it is possible to, you know, have a Cinderella story and even Donnie recently highlighted the guy who won the tournament of champions down by you guys who basically had very little tournament experience yeah. and now was like a first trip to two-time the WPT champ
1: yeah yeah first trip to the US for uh Mr. Yashu um uh, part 3 is uh, pretty self-explanatory and some great tips in there about how to prepare yourself uh with uh things around the table things to bring to the room uh, that sort of thing uh part number 4 is also great uh uh, the difference between limit and no limit strategy, which is, which, which is pretty cool. I invite people to read that one for sure. Uh, the next one, tips from the pros, uh, which is probably was the toughest one for you to write and took the most research. You had to go through a lot of different strategy articles to come up with some great uh, suggestions from well-known players, and you did just that. Uh, certainly some great stuff in there. How much uh, did you have to cut out, and did you have a bunch of things that you uh, didn't want to part with?
2: Yeah, I definitely – I had to cut some things out of that one. I mean, I looked back through probably like 30 or 40 old strategy articles. And um, in the email outlining the piece, you know, Donnie had suggested pulling out five to ten tips. But I think I ended up with like 12 or something. And there was definitely some that I still cut out because, I mean, in the summer, like – me and the other writers would each pretty much do one strategy article a week for our strategy article or our strategy editor, Martin. So, I mean, that's, you know, last year we had five, six guys out. So that's six articles a week or whatever, seven weeks. I mean, you're looking at 40 just right there. And then that's just the last year, not even counting previous years. So there's just, there's so much material for me to go back and sift through. But at the same time, you know, there's all the stuff in, those articles is mostly pretty useful so it's pretty good to just be able to pull out a few sentences or paragraphs here and there that right. i think would be the most helpful
1: right exactly uh part six is about the colossus uh, you suggest making it your main event uh you know a great point there and uh, i was out for the colossus last year i don't know if i'm going to make it this year until after the colossus is over but uh, it runs June 2nd through the 4th this year. They've made a lot of changes and improvements. They've listened to the players, which I thought was great. Uh, I was standing there in the room last year when uh, the announcement came for a first-place prize, and the people went absolutely nuts. And, uh, you know, they did make a change in that this year. Uh, there's going to be uh, a lot of payouts, 15% of the field in, in a lot of these events. So that's going to be great. Uh, Do you share Donnie's view that uh, we're going to have 30,000 this year maybe?
2: I think, uh, spoiler alert, in our predictions piece that's coming out hopefully pretty soon. Mm -hmm. I think I predicted like 25,500 or so. Okay. I guess it wouldn't really surprise me that much given that there's two extra flights if it hit 30,000. I just honestly don't really know what to expect. I don't. I'm really curious. Uh, uh Here's another spoiler from the prediction piece is I named the Colossus as the tournament I'm most looking forward to outside the main event just because I'm so curious to see so many things. Like, did they clean up some of the logistical issues last year? Like you said, they listened to the players, so I think that's kind of step one right there. And then um, just uh whether, like, last year was kind of a, oh, my God, there's a $500 bracelet event, like, uh, I'm just gonna blow my vacation money. I'm doing this. Just gonna take my shot. Or if that was kind of a sustainable thing, where there's gonna be 20,000 plus that turn out every year for this thing.
1: Well, with people standing in line, of course, it wasn't really the WSOP's fault that their computer's system broke down, and uh, there was about a three or four hour uh, wait in line for people to get paid. But one of the great things they did this year is they're actually going to play down to the the money bubble. Each uh, opening sessions so you could actually cash six times possibly uh if you played in all of them which is possible but uh the big thing will be that uh you know people will be the, the first people that make the money and start getting eliminated right away are going to be able to uh collect late at night and not uh, have everybody from all four sessions uh, getting getting in line at one time.
2: Yeah I think that's a great idea and also another thing that will help is that automated payout thing they're doing this year. Right. I, I read over that and I'm already forgot some of the details, but I, I think you like grab a slip from a a computer and it tells you when to come back and get your payout, which is just a great idea. And I think players should definitely um, sign up because I think you have to register your information initially. Right. To get, to be able to do that. And players should definitely take advantage of that. Players should be taking advantage of the, um, the pre-registration this year, uh, you can pay online and I just think, uh, them streamlining that is obviously a great idea and I'm definitely going to recommend to my, I have a couple friends that are going to come out and play. So I'm going to tell them that they should register online and get that done because my buddy was one of the people who was having a really hard time cashing out last year. He ran deep in the colossus and, you know, he, he just waited until like the last day before he flew out and finally went and got his payout.
1: Yeah, that system you're talking about is called the EQ payout process. So, uh yeah, definitely looking forward to that. And uh you know, I, w- when I s- had people that I talked to in line, uh I was kind of surprised that they were so angry about the first place prize. Uh, it was uh m- only about 6% I think of the total prize pool, and a lot of people were complaining that uh the WSOP took too much money and and uh they were all complaining, but uh, outside of maybe the ninth or 10th place finishers that uh, kind of got uh, jammed out a little bit on the, uh, the price bumps, all these people that went out early after making the money ended up uh, you know, getting almost twice their, their buy-in or, or three times their buy-in. And they're in, the, in line complaining about the first place prize. I, I didn't think that uh, made any sense.
2: Yeah, I mean the rake thing was kind of a just a funny like anecdote, but it was pretty much irrelevant. That doesn't really have anything to do with what the first place prize should be. Um but I will say that I understood kind of the idea behind kind of what people were saying as far as the first place prize being only 6% cuz I've never personally seen a tournament that had less than 10% to first. Yeah, it was, so
1: that it was, was different kind of the
2: standard yeah. I thought.
1: It was it was a little surprising, but uh you know, when it came right down to it, I think it, that they wanted a uh, flat payout schedule so that a lot of people made decent amount of money, and uh, kind of encouraged people that are not uh, top pros to come out and take their shot, and, and uh, kind of rewarding them for it. So, I thought it was a pretty good uh, explanation uh, that Seth made in an interview with me uh, about the whole thing. And they were surprised; they didn't expect everything out there. But again. I think people's main complaint was that they didn't announce the payout schedule ahead of time. And if they had, it probably would have cost them a number of players.
2: Yeah, I think, um, flatter payouts in general is something I'm a fan of because it's just more friendly to recreational players who, you know, I cover a lot of these smaller tournaments. Um, I have for the last few years since I've had this job and, uh, you know, you, you'd be shocked when you walk through the tournament area how many people are on, you know, five, six, seven big blinds just fighting for a min cash. I mean, that's, you know, obviously that's not what top pros and, uh, just professionals in general are going for. They're trying to maximize their expected, expected value. But, uh, as far as recreational players go, you know, they're going to be thrilled if they walk away with a min cash. And if that min cash represents, like you said, uh, you know, 2x their buy-in or whatever, That's just a that's you know they're going home with some money and a a story so that's great for them absolutely
1: Uh, Colossus is June second through the fourth six opening sessions uh, two a day uh, one at 10 a.m. the other at 4 p.m. and uh, it's possible that people could play all six flights if they choose you start with five thousand chips. 30-minute levels on day one and then 60-minute levels beginning on day two. Uh, $7 million uh, prize pool guarantee, but we'll probably end up with at least twice that. So uh, certainly uh, looking forward to it as well. It's going to be a great tournament. Uh, And all the people that said they would never come back last year, uh, I'm sure they'll be right there first in line.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, let's move on to uh, the final uh, articles. You are actually have nine out. Uh, you have a big article about other things to do in Vegas, which we uh, touched on briefly. And there's a lot of great information in there that p- people can look up. Uh, also, uh, you have a whole section on playing online while you're out there on WSOP.com. I had a great time doing that last year. And uh, I don't play a lot of tournaments, but... Uh, You know, while I was working, I was looking to kill some time at certain times, and I played in some tournaments and ended up ahead $500, which is uh, a lot for me. Uh, Finally, the last one that you have just published is uh, thinking outside the no-limit hold'em box. And this is something that I've uh, urged people to do for a long time, to to take advantage of learning all the different games, the mixed games and all the different things. Uh, I'm a big fan of that, as you are. And, uh, you know, for so long, all people only learned uh, No Limit Hold'em, and that was it. But uh, the game seems to be branching out a bit.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I personally love mixed games. I always have since I've been learning other games. Like when I first started to learn how to play poker, um, I got one of the books I got was Super System, like almost everybody. But unlike probably a lot of people, I read the other sections besides No Limit Hold'em just as (laughs) just as avidly as I did the No Limit Hold'em section, and I think it's just a lot of fun to learn the other games. I mean, you know, especially somebody like me, like I grew up playing Five Card Draw, so I mean, I learned Hold'em after. Like a lot of these people nowadays learn Hold'em as their first game, but I learned how to play poker playing Five Card Draw as a kid. So I I personally love mixed games. My friend introduced me um, to eight games back in like 2009, 2010, and that became like my favorite cash game on PokerStars. I used to play the uh, 4-8 level 8 game Uh uh, for hours at a time, and I just, I love it.
1: We're talking with Mo Nuara, writing a uh, great series online. Invite people to check it out. It's fantastic, and if you're going out there at any time this summer, certainly it's a must-read. Still one part still to come. Uh, What's that going to be
2: about? That one is gonna be about the main event. Okay. So I haven't like really decided yet what I'm gonna do for that one, honestly. I'm gonna <clears throat> I need to figure out if I'm gonna interview a couple of people. I have a couple of people in mind. And I'll probably also pull a couple of old tips from main event articles written, strategy articles written the last couple of years. And uh because it's a tough one for me because I've never played the main event, so I can't really offer any first hand advice to people other than I have seen a few things, you know, and like I had a close friend who ran real deep in the main last year, and I think he bagged less than the starting stack on day one. So I think that's probably one of the most important things, you know, is just like not panicking and not worrying if you don't have absolutely anything going on day one. Even if you have minus something going on day one, you're probably still fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, certainly, uh, I'm going to think I'm going to be out there for the main this year and uh, looking forward to seeing that. Uh, you know, as great as the Colossus is going to be and some of the other great tournaments, the millionaire maker and uh, the monster stack and, and all the great stuff along the line. Uh, as I mentioned with mixed games, my favorite is Raz. I don't know if I'll ever have $1,500 to play in a poker tournament, but uh, certainly uh, there's a lot of fun things to be said, but uh, the main, there's nothing like the main and uh uh, you know, the dreams are still out there. We seem to find, uh, you know, uh, several dozen players that we never heard of before uh, making a name for themselves at the main event.
2: Yeah, I think the main, it's just still the suspense and the how tense it is. It's just the biggest $10,000 freeze out there is. And I, I think there's like, you know, what's so cool about the main is there's the added pressure of, Like, not only are you playing this 10K, and, you know, if you run a big bluff or whatever, you could just be out of 10K, or you're punting off whatever equity you had in that tournament, but there's the equity of just making the final table of the main. That's just so huge, and it really changes the way people play. And you really saw that at the end last year when McKeon was just stealing every pot, basically, because he had so many chips, and everyone, nobody wanted to be the November 9 bubbler.
1: Yeah, no question. Uh, Well, I appreciate the articles. Uh, I really am am enjoying them and all the stuff that you write, so uh, congratulations on doing such a great job. Before you go, uh, I mentioned that you write a little bit about uh, DFS, uh, especially baseball, and I I guess you do other sports as well, but uh, I'll be following some of your stuff online on Fantasy Wired as well. Uh, There's a big uh, hearing on Capitol Hill today uh, regarding DFS, which uh, should be very interesting, but... I just, uh, find it profound the way there's the relationship between poker and DFS, uh, not only legislatively, but, uh, you know, uh, strategy wise and a lot of the different things, how there's such parallels between the two. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, you know, for the future of DFS?
2: I mean, I think it's interesting how it's getting legal clarity right now, it seems to be, in a lot of states, but it's, not necessarily good legal clarity, I mean, they pulled out of a number of states recently. I think the most recent one I saw was Idaho mm-hmm. and uh yeah, I mean, I think it's for sure here to stay in the states that uh have announced that they're okay with it and they're they're trying to get like legislation pushed in to clarify that it is legal because I mean people love it, yeah. and I think as as many people that love it as there are i I just don't see how something like that can go away because there is, there is pressure from the ground level where people want to do this and I don't think politicians should be telling people, well, no, you can't play fantasy sports.
1: Yeah, I'll agree. Uh, I don't see how they can stop the runaway train, but I know that they want their piece of the pie and they're certainly going to get it.
2: Right. I think that's more than fair and, you know, it should be taxed and people, the government should take some of this money that's just rolling in and use it to help fund good things for people and protect the customers also. Right,
1: exactly. It needs regulation, just like uh, online poker uh, did and does. Uh, You know, you need to keep uh, problem gamblers. You need to keep children uh, out of the mix. And uh, certainly when they just continue to push it underground, uh, that's not the right way to go.
2: Yeah, I mean, just, you know, look no further than sports betting. I mean... People bet on sports constantly, and you have all these, you know, government entities trying to say, well, you know, we don't want to allow sports betting. Well, people are going to do it anyway. It's just like prohibition. I mean, how many times do we have to see that, that kind of thing, that kind of policy that doesn't work, and if people are going to do it anyway, why not use it to help fund things for the government?
1: Yeah, People who don't really learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Uh, you know, we saw it with prohibition, and now uh – it's a whole uh, another prohibition. Anyway, thanks for the time tonight, uh, Mo. We appreciate it. Uh, look forward to meeting you out in Vegas this summer. And uh, certainly, uh, uh, we'll be reading your stuff.
2: Thanks a lot. Thanks
1: for having me. Okay, appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Bye. Mo Nuara from uh, Poker News. Uh, great series. Check it out. How to Attack the WSOP. Nine parts uh, have been published. Uh, the 10th coming out next week on the main event. Uh, you can find it at pokernews.com. Uh, excellent writing and excellent information. Just a just a treasure trove of information.
0: Yeah, especially if you're a first timer going out there to the main event, uh, or just I mean to the WSOP in general, has yeah, got some great articles on uh, you know the type of strategies and the things you should be doing to prepare for yourself. You know, all the way from game selection to clothing selection for some exactly. of these rooms, you know, which are freezing in some of them as they say, and um, you know, snack issues as he as he mentions in one of his articles that the Rio is well known for not being very good with their food. Right. You you can attest to that from being out there last year, you know, uh how expensive some of their food it can was two fifty for everything a banana else. I think. so you know Let's hope that they, uh, when the Colossus comes around that they've addressed some of the major issues that happened last year. Uh, obviously, they've addressed the uh, prize pools, stuff uh, that the people were screaming about. But there's so many other different aspects of just playing in a, in a tournament, especially when it's so large, so many right.
1: people. Well, absolutely.
0: And, you know... Part of it you have to prepare for, and obviously you're you're hoping that the uh, establishment here, in this case the Rio management, has prepared themselves also.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Definitely looking forward to it, though, this year. Uh, Let's head to break, though. Uh, We're kind of running out of time here tonight, Uh, but let's tell you about Gulfstream Park. I mentioned that I was out there for the Kentucky Derby. They'll do it again in two weeks for the Preakness Stakes. Uh, not sure we're going to have a Triple Crown winner, but uh, Nyquist certainly off to a great start, winning the uh, Kentucky Derby.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, with that race he ran for the, for the Kentucky Derby, I you know he's got to be the prohibitive favorite, obviously for the Preakness, since it's the yes. shortest race yes. of the three of the three Triple Crown races. Uh, and as you've mentioned, the exaggerator coming on very strong as he was closing would probably make for a very interesting Belmont Stakes uh, five weeks from when the derby. Yeah, it's always played. a
1: little bit smaller field, and you don't have uh, that mad uh, rush to the, first, uh, to the first turn like you normally do. And
0: that's the other thing. He, had to, he came out, of, I believe it was a 13th or 14th 13th post, and, the, and, yeah.
1: and you know, you're way out
0: wide and, in a race like that. So if the field is smaller, he'll probably get a, a more favorable post.
1: Yes, uh, definitely. Uh, but uh, just because the Kentucky Derby is over, that's not uh, the end of the racing season. Still plenty to go out there at the no. Gulfstream. Of course, we got got uh, the Preakness, as I mentioned, in two weeks, and then three weeks after that, the Belmont Stakes on through the summer and the uh, the Jockey Gold Cup and on uh, some of the big things in the fall, the Travers Stakes uh, out of New York is always uh, great simulcasting at, at the track as well. And then the Breeders' Cup, of course, in November. Yep, that's that's always a <laughs>
0: beautiful place there. Great great racing.
1: So it's a year-round thing now. It's not like uh, it used to be where there was three different tracks and everybody had their four months or six months, and uh, you know, you, it was hard to figure which track you were going to. Gulfstream's the king now uh, here in South Florida, of course. Uh, uh, you know Who knows what's going to happen uh, down the road with different types of forms of gambling and, and that sort of thing. But right now, Gulfstream is racing year-round. Uh, their spring-summer meet is underway, and it's going to be great out there this summer. Uh, certainly invite you to head to the horse racing. But uh, the place we play is the Poker Room, and I had a chance to play in that tournament on Saturday night. And I know that tonight, on Wednesdays, they have a PLO event. Uh, which I'm going to try one of those I don't think I'm going to make it tonight but but uh, one of these weeks I certainly will enjoy that as well cuz as I mentioned uh, in our conversation with Mo uh I like the uh I like the mixed games and uh I'd love it if they had a raz tournament I'd uh, be lucky to get I think 13 people but uh, <laughs> well let's see I'd love to see just a regular horse tournament,
0: tournament would be yeah. nice uh, on a weekly basis and and, and you know at Gulfstream or in any room right now. We'd love to see that.
1: By the way, the eight-game mix uh, returns to the action out at the Rio this year. They didn't have it last year, the $1,500 eight, uh, $1, buy-in uh, eight-max tournament, but they do have it this year, and and that's a lot of fun. You know, you get a couple of uh, big-bed... Uh, Aspects in the no limit hold'em and uh, PLO and that sort of thing, and then you got the limit games that uh, are, are a major part of horse. So uh, that's a great tournament as well. And uh, you do have to pick and choose about what you're going to go out there. But as far as PLO, there's a real juicy game going on that you could find out about uh, by calling the uh, the brush station, and uh, the girls there will let you know exactly what's going on. And you need to give them a call at 954-457-6336 if you want to make your plans to go out the Gulfstream. The room was packed on Saturday. They had a nice little tournament uh, that I enjoyed in the back room. I saw the Miami boss, Danny Swed, uh, playing in a cash game there. And uh, you never know who you're going to run into. But it's a nice room and well run and a lot of fun. Nice people. And I highly recommend it. It's in the back uh, side of the first floor casino. If you're walking into the breezeway of the track, you'll see the track out in front of you. To the right is the room with simulcasting and the first floor casino. You just kind of head to the back between the uh, snack bars on the left, slots on the right, and you get to the poker room in the back, and you can check in for the latest games. Uh, Give them a call once again if you want any information. It's 954-457-6336. That's 954-457-6336. It's Gulfstream Park. Welcome to your playground.
0: This is Poker Action Line.
1: Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables. With a chip stack, and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like, However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. And you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. The odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration, and I hope that you will join us and the play for real game becomes available later this year. Ranger Station. Yeah, hi. I'd like to report a bear sighting in the forest. Uh-huh. One second, I'm having a smoke. Next thing I know, I'm face-to-face with Smokey Bear. Wow. And he told me it only takes one spark to start a wildfire. Did
2: you know 9 out of 10
1: wildfires are caused by humans? I had no idea.
2: That's why Smokey's famous and you're not. Get your Smokey on. If you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire, step in and make a
1: difference. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com.
2: Only... You can prevent wildfires.
1: Okay, back on the show, our thanks to Mo Noir for joining us. Uh, Mo, writer for uh, Poker News. Uh, Last week we had Donnie Peters on, who is uh, the editor-in-chief of uh, PokerNews.com, and I want to give him a plug uh, for his new program that's going to be on uh, uh, Poker Central. It's called the Primetime Poker Report which uh, starts May 18th, and uh, he's doing his final preparations for that show. You can pick up, uh, as we mentioned last week, uh, you can pick up Poker Central on a lot of different uh, of the new uh, devices, the Roku, uh, Amazon Fire, uh, Xbox 360. There's a lot of different ways. Just go to pokercentral.com, and they'll uh, let you know how you can uh, find it. Eventually, it'll be on one of the cable channels and on one of the big uh, systems, but... uh, Currently, they're putting out a lot of good programming. Matt Savage has a program. Uh, there's one called Pokerology. And, uh, they're, of course, replay a lot of older tournaments with some great hands and stuff like that. So, uh, certainly check it out. PokerCentral.com. Great tournament, or not tournament, contest coming up, uh, that's going to be tied in with the, uh, WPT. No, I'm sorry, the Super High Roller. The Super High Roller, which is later, uh, this, this, uh, summer. Anyway, uh, you can win a million dollars, by the way, in that. So if that piques your interest, check it out. It's on the site at PokerCentral.com. A couple of the other changes we uh, briefly kind of uh, referred to. The EQ payout process is going to be very interesting. Uh, He touched on it briefly. Uh, Instead of standing in line for the cash out, you can put your name on a list. And, uh, of course, you have to sign up and give your appropriate financial information ahead of time. And any time you cash in an event, you will be notified via text message when to return to pick up your money. So uh, that's a great idea. It will uh, reduce the traffic, obviously, at the cage. So that should be great. Uh, They also changed the rule about uh, no headphones after any event was in the money. Um, Now it's going to be final table. Which is good. So between the money and the final table, you can still wear your headphones, if that's what you want to do. I don't don't personally... uh, condone that sort of thing
0: yeah well listen (laughs) you and i didn't grow up doing stuff like that so you know uh
1: i didn't mention it with mo but uh one of the great things for some of the writers that are going to be out there is a new uh innovation called the wsop chip in application where uh players can report their chip counts to uh the list at wsop.com from their smartphone or tablet and uh people can have a much better handle on who stands where in the tournament uh, and it would be much easier. It's a big uh, plus for the media, no question. Uh, live at the WSOP, we'll be uh, pro- providing uh, final table streaming uh, for these events this year. Dave Tuckman does a great job with that. Also, Tatiana Pasalich, who I uh, got a chance to meet last year and then saw recently in, in South Florida. She got married in between that time. Uh, great girl, very pretty girl that uh, does a great job with interviews, and uh, certainly look forward to seeing her over there again. Also, uh, Kevin Mathers, who I got a chance to meet here at the Seminole Hard Rock, is, has been hired as the Twitter czar. He's going to be handling all the social media, which he has for the past several years. But This year he has a title, and he's actually going to get paid to do it. So, so helpful for people uh, on social media to get the information about the WSOP. So, a lot of great things going to be out there this year. Uh, we're winding things down on the program here. Uh as many of you know Joe was the uh player uh, the poker manager at uh Miami Highline now called Casino Miami and uh some big news coming out about that recently.
0: Yeah, Big Dave, it's uh I hate to say I told you so, but
1: uh the way they handled their uh their poker
0: room after they they let me go, they've been through four or five poker room managers and unfortunately their uh the rake revenue had gone down from a high that I had it at one point around half a million dollars for the month down to where it was in the, in the low 20s, uh, and, you know, they closed that room down, not this past weekend but the weekend prior, and uh, it's a real shame. It was a beautiful room. Uh, it hurts me because I know how much work and I put into it and my staff put into it to try to make that a, you know, A great room especially after we were like the last last people on the block to enter you know to enter the 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 thing the the sacrifices that we had to make the innovations that we came through with the the two thousand dollar an hour high hand that 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 we went through that had our room jam-packed with over 250 people on a waiting list to play for 12 hours and um it, it hurts, Dave, you know. I, I, I'm not getting any satisfaction in the fact that they the room closed. It hurts that, you know, their upper management wasn't smart enough to see that we were heading in the right direction, and they thought they could just bring, as the old saying goes, they thought a monkey could run that room, and they didn't realize what it took to to make that room. You know, you have to be personable. You have to know how to treat your customers and from every account that I've read and I've been told by people who have gone there, they had completely lost track of that.
1: Yeah. I, I, I was looking at some uh, numbers the other day from 2012, when you were running the room, 440,000 in revenue yeah. for the month, for a month. Uh, and then toward the end, uh, it was really bad, but even for over the last year, you know, maybe 10% of that is what they were. Yeah, exactly. Talking. The numbers just
0: consistently kept going down and, you know, you got to understand, I spent 17 years there. I trained my staff to be able to treat people the way I like to be treated. You know, I, I've always said that in a casino, you know, unless you win money, you're walking away with less money <laughs> than you went in there with. You're not getting anything for your cash other than the experience. And if that experience isn't pleasurable, even even with losing money, there's other places where people will treat you great. And, you know, I, I made it a point for myself to get to know the large majority of the of of the customers, especially our, our regulars that walked in, I used to know them, almost all of them by name, used to know what their family members' names were, what family situations were going on, and whenever they came in, if things were going good or not so good in their life, I'd always ask how everybody was, how everything was going. It's stuff that I know would have made me feel good if I walked into a place and someone, you know, was asking me about my situation at home, and I you know wasn't expecting my employees to do the same thing dave but you know to be cordial to be nice to get to know their names and just treat them treat them like friends you know more so than customers and you know, I, I think that was a huge part of my success.
1: Well, let's, uh, let's let's face it. There were a lot of bad decisions from upper management uh, in regards to poker over the years. I mean, of course, we went through the, the years where there was a quarter 50 cent games with a $10 pot limit. Right. Uh, there was a room of, uh, over a million, I guess, about a million and a half dollars spent on the crystal card room, which was absolutely beautiful. Well, it really but was. But, you know, even, except for some very short periods of time was never... Uh, you know, useful as far as a, a, a packed room. You know, there would, for a good bit of the time, there would just be just a few tables there. Uh, you know, a lot of different reasons for that. And I know you worked your butt off to get people in there. And, and many times during your tenures, uh, you had the room packed. And even when they had to move out of that crystal card room out to the North Lounge uh, in a small, smaller area because of the save the money on electricity and air conditioning and that exactly. sort of thing. Uh, you know, you had good crowds and a lot of tables full there. So, uh, you know, I think if people look back, the times that you were there were the good days, and the times that you were gone in between were, were,
0: were, were when it suffered. And let me tell you something. Not only the poker room, Dave. Another thing I'm very proud of is, man, the revenue that I was pr- that we were producing in dominoes. Right. Was incredible. I mean, it was amazing that our, uh, we used to close on Tuesdays. Remember Tuesdays? Was and the you were really the only one. Yeah. Well, Magic City was trying to do it, but they, they couldn't could even come it. close to producing. I was producing. Your, your competition was on Flagler Street. Now, you know how hard it is to produce, <laughs> <yeah, laughs> you know produce three hundred, uh, almost $300,000 in revenue in dominoes at a fifty a head per half hour. So you're talking... A table, a domino table, only sat four players. So you were looking at twelve dollars an hour, and you know per table. I mean, it was incredible. I believe we had some somewhere around twelve or fourteen tables, and um, on the weekends, the moment I mean. Two minutes after we opened that door, all twelve you know all twelve tables were full, and they ran that way until we had to tell them they had to leave the the, the room. You know, yeah. we had to close.
1: Well, end of an era. Uh, of course, I'm way past that. Uh, for people that know me, I I started at Miami Highline in 1982 as an announcer and uh became the public relations director on the High life side. And I was there in the good years, uh, you know, after the players strike and a lot of other things contributed to the downfall of sport. It's still operating uh High life but uh you know hanging on by the very fingertips. The
0: only reason it's it, we both know the only reason that it is still, you know
1: you know running is, is that because they have to have it. They have to have, have it have to have it because, because of the slot machines. Anyway they've moved sad, on to the casino very, very and they would love to dump it there. There. uh I'm sure they're if they get the chance, and and will do if uh, laws change. But uh, uh, you know, it was a different era. It was a it was a great time. It was one of the great jobs of my life. Uh, right out of college uh, for six years there before the first highlight strike, it was the greatest job in the world. I'm telling you, I'm envious because I mean, uh, I I got in there obviously
0: many years after I had died. I started becoming a patron there during the strike and just as the strike ended, and you know there was still a lot of that bitterness. And by the time I came on, you know, to doing poker, you know, from fifteen thousand, you know, standing room only crowds that they had on Fridays and Saturday nights there, to you know, maybe fifteen hundred, two thousand, and they would kill people today to get that amount yeah, of there because sure. you could count on one, on two hands how many people are there, and you're gonna you're gonna have fingers left over on, on a performance.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So well, but a lot of tremendous memories uh, from over the years from the big house on Thirty oh. Sixth Street. And uh, kind of sad that uh, things are wrapping up there and the and the poker room closing is yeah, the first step. Yeah, it's so sad. And
0: did you ever work the Christmas days, the, oh, yeah. the, which
1: used to be the opening day yeah, of the season? Absolutely.
0: I remember the first time they asked me to do that, I was so upset because I had never worked the Christmas before. And as it turned out, it turned out, I'm not kidding you folks, it turned out to be one of the best working days of my life that
1: first Christmas. Well, it was absolutely packed because people would open their gifts in the morning, you know, they'd have turkey or ham or whatever they had and watch a little football in the afternoon, and then they're bored by about 6.30, looking for something to do, and everybody came to Highlight. And
0: they're in such a great mood, and the the tradition of having the the Highlight players run through the crowd to salute the crowd, I, I, I... I mean, I'm telling you, I went from being, I was like so upset and miserable that I had to work on on what I thought was a very sad, to turning out that I was like, wow, I'm so happy they asked me to work this day. It was so
1: wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll mention some more on that uh, town hall on Twitch uh, from the WSOP uh, uh, honchos that uh, we'll certainly look forward to. We'll talk about that maybe a little more next week. But that's going to do it for tonight's show. We appreciate Mo Noir coming on with us and talking about his series. Check it out on PokerNews.com. It's called... How to Attack the WSOP, 10-part series, number 10, coming out shortly about the main event. But uh, you can uh, click on some of the archives and get all that information. And uh, if you're planning on going to Vegas this summer, even for just 3.2 days or whatever, you're certainly going to get a (laughs) lot of information, and it's going to help you out, no question about it.
0: Yeah, especially for first-timers, you know, you really should read these articles at least have you mentally prepared for what's going to happen.
1: Don't forget, you can always pick up the show on iTunes. Uh, just uh, search Poker Action Line. Uh, good idea to subscribe, subscribe to it. Then every time you open up iTunes, the latest edition will download automatically for free. Uh, you can also go to HoldemRadio.com. Radio.com. Uh, uh, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, I think, it's become our regular uh, spot, spot there for uh, people to catch the first airing of the show. Uh, also, uh, the guys at Poker Views have uh, uh, given us a lot of publicity and uh, you know carrying our show for quite some time. Stitcher Radio, Stitcher.com is a great place to go to get to the site as well. Or just go to our website, PokerActionLine.com. Click on the yellow box, and you'll find all the archives there of all previous shows. That's going to do it for tonight. Joe, thank you. Gio, thank you as well for all the uh, help on the show. And thanks to Mo Noir for joining us as a guest this evening. We'll catch you next week on another edition of the show.